we were in all these kind of like impossible positions, like in the bathroom with the model balanced on like the little bathtub with me like leaning back and opening up. And then they were like, okay, that was two minutes. We need another two minutes. And then I'm like fucking him and trying to balance and do it all. And then they're like, okay, we need uh, 45 more seconds. And I'm like, damn, we're really doing this like that. And then sometimes they have you do two or sometimes four scenes in one day for some of the studios. And so for me, those situations where it doesn't feel good and it might look good, I would prefer to do it where they're kind of like more willing to capture real sex, like going with the flow and moving to capture it. I'm George Lizos, spiritual teacher, psychic healer, and number one best-selling author. Growing up in a small and Christian community, I was judged and rejected for being gay and different. After a futile two-year attempt to change who I was born to be, I called myself a human abomination and almost took my own life. Fortunately, in my darkest moment, I saw the light and ventured on a healing journey of love, forgiveness and spiritual awakening. Yet my dating life since hasn't always been all roses and rainbows, and my past dramas and traumas have definitely kept things spicy. Fast forward past many awkward dates and disappointing sex, I created Can't Host to challenge toxic gay stereotypes, explore the complex dynamics of gay sex and relationships, and create opportunities for healing and growth. If you're a gay guy seeking more joy, freedom, and authenticity in your sex, life, and relationships, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Can't Host. I'm your host, George Lizos, and in this episode, we're talking about gay porn secrets. My guest today is one of my favorite porn stars of all time, Greg McKeon, and I love the story of how I manifested this. I'm gonna own it. I manifested this. It all started back in September where I got a DM from Greg saying that if you would ever like to have an OnlyFans model on your podcast, I would love to share my insights. And then I see the pictures and I'm like, hold on a second, I know this person. And then it hit me, he's one of my favorite porn stars, like I watch his porn all the time. Of course, I was thrilled to have him on the podcast, it took us a while, but we made it happen. And this is a two-part episode, we had so much to talk about. This first episode is all about his experience in the gay porn studio industry. And then in the second episode, we talk about OnlyFans and the comparison between OnlyFans and studio work. Now, before we get started, have you downloaded yet my Dick Magnet Subliminal Affirmations track? I am so excited for this freebie that I created. It's completely free. You can go to georgelizos.com forward slash dick magnet to download that. It's a 25 minute audio track with meditation music that you can play while you work, while you exercise or relax or even sleep. And it has subliminal affirmations about attracting sex and turning yourself into a dick magnet. So many people have already downloaded it when I released it earlier this week. And I've already gotten so many messages from people telling me their sex stories and how they manifested more uh, like hot encounters. I've been using it as well over the past week and I've been getting some fun experiences as well. So I'm so excited for you to check that out. So make sure to get the link from the show notes. It's georgelisas.com forward slash dick magnet. And I did a whole bonus episode explaining how subliminal affirmation tracks work. 
so make sure to go check that out as well. So coming back to this episode with Greg McKeon, as I told you in this first part of the episode, we're talking about gay porn secrets. Specifically, we talk about how fake cam shots work in porn. Yes, that is a thing I had no idea about and Greg tells us all about it. We talk about penal injections. I guess the world has moved on from Viagra and we've moved into injections right now. I ask some questions that I'm sure you're wondering as well, such as how much money do porn actors make? Do they get to choose who to work with? How long does it take to film a scene? And what happens if you don't like the guy and you still have to do the scene because you're under contract? And if you're interested in getting into the industry, Greg shares some valuable insights about how the whole industry works. When you're done listening to the episode, make sure to come on Instagram at George Lizos, DM me and let me know how you enjoyed it, what you learned, what surprised you. And be sure to tune in for the second part of the episode where we're gonna talk about OnlyFans. All of Greg's work and his social media is available in the show notes below, so be sure to go check him out and follow him as well. And if you haven't watched any of his films yet, make sure to do so, they're so hot, trust me. Let's get started. Hey Greg, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How about yourself? I am great. It's so lovely to have you on the podcast. I gotta say, when I first got your message on, on Instagram, I, I it was a bit surreal for me because I was aware of you. I had watched your, your films before, so I was familiar with your work. So it was so surreal getting a message from you. But I'm so excited that to have you here to chat about your experience and your journey starting in the adult entertainment industry. And we're going to talk about your OnlyFans account as well and what it means to be an OnlyFans creator. So we have two episodes planned. So everybody listening, make sure to tune in for both episodes. I want to get started from like the start. How did you decide to get into the industry? What was it that motivated you and how did it end up happening for you? Uh, when I was in college, I was in San Francisco one day and they had the Gay VN Awards and they had a bunch of the guys getting out of different like limos and the Falcon guys all got out of a car. And I was living with my parents at the time and just visiting San Francisco for the day. And I thought to myself, whatever's going on here looks like a lot of fun. These guys are all super hot. I'd love to be a part of this. So I applied to work for, uh, it was Falcon and Sean Cody at the time. And because those were the two most popular ones. This was back in like 2007. And um, I applied and I had a test shoot set up with Falcon. And then I mistakenly sent the message from the family computer. So what happened was, is my dad was, on the computer and somehow I thought I had hidden the folder with the photos. This was like before you could send everything from the cell phone. And I thought I had hidden everything. And then I get a message while I'm at work and he says, come home straight after work, we need to talk. And I had just gotten into UC Berkeley and he was helping pay for my school. So my mom and my dad were like, you know, hey, why don't you not do this right now? Why don't you focus on your education? And so I didn't do it then. I had to message them and come up with some excuse and be like, oh, sorry, I can't make the shoot, guys, bye. I didn't tell them. My parents found out. <laughs> so then I went on to UC Berkeley, and instead of doing, um, doing adult films, I started go-go dancing instead. That was kind of my, like, well, I'm still going to have fun. I'm still going to enjoy being young and being gay. So I'm going to try go-go dancing. So I did that for a while in Los Angeles. And when I was at school in San Francisco, I went to UC Berkeley. And then in 2010, 
I was like, well, I could, they told me not to do videos, but maybe I could do photos. So I did Playgirl magazine for the College Hunks shoot. And I was worried that my parents were going to be upset with me. They were, I told them I did it just so that if they found out they weren't mad and they were supportive. I was like, these are just, you know, very respectful photos. And I didn't realize at the time that Playgirl magazine had basically become like a gay porn rag with all gay porn ads. And I don't know what in my head, like I really wasn't a consumer of the product that much. So I did Playgirl magazine and that was a lot of fun. And then I also started doing some gay films. Like I was in the movie Eating Out, which is a gay comedy movie. I was in the third one as like an entourage, just like back background characters. And then in the fifth one, I had a naked cameo. So I was like, well, I'm still not doing porn, but I could be naked in your film. That's not a problem. And then there was another movie that the production company did, or someone from the shoot. I'm not exactly sure if it was the same production company, but it was called Vampire Boys. And they were like, well, you, you were naked in the last film. Will you do it again? So I did Vampire Boys with the naked cameo. And then I just spent the next 10 years uh, starting a personal training business and continuing to go go dance. I started my own party in Los Angeles called Saturday Night Slut. We had um, not naked dancers because I was against the law in California, but we like pushed the limits of what we were allowed to do until finally the management of the bar was like, you guys are, you guys are wild. You can't do, because we wanted to do like towel dances where the dancers came out in like little towels. And it's not like Europe where you can have full on sex shows on the stage and everything with the alcohol laws in, in California. They have a lot of rules. So we said, well, nothing's getting shown. They're still wearing something. It's just a towel. So that was a lot of fun. Then I continued to go-go dance until I started my um, OnlyFans account. And I started it. My friend told me about it and told me that it was a good way to make a lot of money. And so I joined without having any content or any idea of what I was going to do. And I immediately got people subscribing to it without advertising it much. And this was back in 2017. So when I first started doing the OnlyFans page, I wasn't showing my face. I was like very shy. It wasn't what it is now, which is like full on videos. And then in 2018, I was like, I kept showing a little bit more on OnlyFans. And I said, well, maybe it would be good to market the OnlyFans with some studio porn. So I looked up what was the most popular studio at the time, and it was Family Dick on Pornhub. Yeah, that's the one I was familiar with. Yeah, so I applied to work at that one because it was the most popular, a little bit unconventional. But I said, you know, let's just follow the data and see what happens and if people are watching it. And somehow I became the number one at one point most popular model on Say Uncle, which is the company that does Family Dick. And then now I've been for the last couple of years, the number two most popular, which always surprised me because when it, when the studio told me and they said, you're our most popular model, I was like, what me? I thought like that little Austin would be the most popular model. I naturally um, enjoy working with twinks, working with younger guys. So I think that the audience could see that there was real chemistry um, between us and I had a lot of fun doing it. So some people say that the difference between my videos and other people's videos is like, I smile and <laughs> they can tell that I want to be there. Yeah. But yeah. So that's how I got started. And then I worked for a couple other studios. I did a couple scenes for men.com and a couple scenes for disruptive studios. And I've always been kind of cast as this pervy uncle stepdad character um, for both men and disruptive. And then um, recently, last year, I shot with Carnal Media and did a couple of scenes for them. 
And then next week, I'm back with Say Uncle for the first time in a year. So I've kind of been taking a break from doing studio work and focusing on my own stuff. But um, it's pretty fun doing studio stuff. You get to meet new people. Sometimes it's like really fun. Other times it's more like work. But it, I mean, yeah. it is a job. So you get the whole gamut of different types you of things. You know what? I hadn't realized you started with OnlyFans and then went into studios because most people go the, the other way around. They start with studios and they go into, into OnlyFans. And what really stood out here was the, the, the first films you did, Inching Out and the third one, were they like porn films or were they normal films? No, so like the Eating Out series was a popular comedy series, okay, kind of yes. like American Pie style, yes. um, where they had... It was done with like a big production team and yeah. like big crew and everything. Um, and then they had some like scripted sex in it, but it wasn't like full on. It wasn't yes. XXX. It was just rated R. That explains everything to me because every time I watch porn, I cannot really get into it unless the acting convinces me. I'm in drama school right now, so I'm an actor myself. So if, if the acting is not good, I'm just not buying it. So now I understand why I liked your your adult films, I'd like the uh, the say uncle ones and the the family dick ones because you're a good actor, and I, I I can really believe that like the scene is is more believable, and therefore I can get into the fantasy and let myself get lost. I think that's a a, a good quality in my perspective for adult entertainment. Essentially, do you think so? Do you do you enjoy it when the other person is also like a good actor and is into it? And do you get annoyed if the other person is just a bad actor? I've always been curious. Yeah. So for for those kinds of films, I've never really had too much of a problem acting in the role. I'm like, not it comes natural to me, but I could imagine what the situation was. When I was in um, Los Angeles, I never was trying to necessarily become an actor for TV or movies. I worked doing personal training for a lot of people in the entertainment business and knew a lot of people from go-go dancing. So I got some opportunities to be in some different films. I was like a go-go dancer, just backup dancer on Nip Tuck. And I had a small go-go dancing part on uh, Teen Wolf. That was a lot of fun. But when Teen Wolf first started, I knew the person who was like in charge of it. And he brought me in for the pilot for one of the main characters. And I hadn't mm. had a lot of like acting classes and stuff like that. And I was totally nervous. Everyone in the room was gorgeous. I'm like, is this a joke? Why am I here? Um, I didn't have the same confidence that I have now. And I forgot all of the lines and totally fucked up the audition. And then that's when, that was one of the moments where I was like, okay, I'm not going to be a Hollywood actor. This is way too much pressure. This is way too much stress. And so I, I knew that if I was doing naked video stuff, like most most Hollywood network television doesn't want to necessarily work with that type of thing. They'd yeah. rather have people with like clean slates for advertisers and stuff like that. And Obviously. so I knew that going yes. into it. And so I said, well, fuck it. I'm just going to go for it. I'm not going to show my face because maybe I, there's still hope. But and then finally, I was like, okay, I'm not going to do anything in this business. And then when I started acting for those videos, I didn't realize that they would give you like a script and be like, here are your lines. This is what you have to do. But I had a lot of fun doing it. And then at one point I was like, well, that was pretty good. <laughs> like, yeah, it shows. It shows. And I think that's what people like because it shows that like you're good and you're enjoying it. I, I want to go back to something you said earlier. You said when you first submitted your pictures and then your, your, your parents found out and then you didn't. 
You said, I wanted to enjoy being young and gay. What was the, the draw to doing something like that? Because you went into go-go dancing. So clearly there was a need here to do something to express yourself, to enjoy being young and gay. What does that mean to you? And what did it, what did it um, mean to you at the time? I grew up, I lived in Europe when I was in middle school and high school. I went to middle school. My dad worked overseas. And I went to eighth and ninth grade in Latvia. And my friend in Latvia used to live in Moscow. And he said, you know, in Russian culture, if you're gay, they'll beat you up. So I didn't come out until I was 21 because I always had in the back of my head, like, they don't like if you're gay, like, don't do this. My family was religious. So I was kind of like late to coming out to, I didn't come out till I was 21. So I felt like once I started joining the gay community, I wanted to have as much fun as I could. I wasn't like tiptoeing into it. I was like full steam ahead. And that was why I really liked working at the clubs because I didn't have to necessarily socialize with people but I could be on a box kind of checking everything out and then go hide in the back on a break and then coming back out to the club to dance. Um, I got to meet a lot of people. I thought that I wanted to do porn when I was 21, but truth, truthfully, like I was a late, late bloomer sexually. And like, I didn't start bottoming really until I was in my thirties. When I first did my studio porn scene at 31, I wasn't eating ass regularly. I remember they told me, okay, we need, there was like two stepbrothers and they said, okay, you're going to bend them both over and rim them both. And I was like, is this happening? And I remember Trenton Ducati was like, okay, two licks on the left, two licks on the right. And I was like, uh, and I mean, sometimes porn's not glamorous. If you do an OnlyFans video and things aren't right, you can always stop the scene and say, hey, you know, you smell like BO or like, this is gross, take a shower or like whatever. But with studio porn, sometimes you're like trying to stay on schedule they want you to do it now. So for like a couple um, experiences I've had where they have inexperienced models, straight models doing gay porn, sometimes they're not the like cleanest, freshest people. And I'm not talking about anything too gross, but it's definitely like now I would be like, hey, hey guys, like we need to like freshen up if we're going to do this. You need a mint. You need a shower. You need to check yourself. But um I don't know. It wasn't necessarily all glamorous at the beginning. And I am now grateful with those studio porn videos that it's helped propel my OnlyFans into success. Where back in the day, people used to do studio films and then used to make money other ways by doing, we'll call them extracurricular activities or yeah. escorting. Yeah. And I think that a lot of models had problems with addiction and with money and with doing that type of work it wasn't empowering for the model you were always like at the jeopardy of whoever was paying you at the time and i know some people have done escorting for decades and they might be listening and thinking it's not all bad it can be really good but for me at the time i was young and dumb and i'd believe anything anybody would say and when you're in that situation and new to being gay people are always trying to tell you like try to guide you so if i was just being guided by people with money and drugs telling me what to do. I don't think it would have ended up in this. I would have ended up in the same position I'm in now. So I think now it's kind of empowered the models so that the models can do what they want to do. If they do want to do other types of work, they could, but a lot of them, I mean, people have told me OnlyFans has ruined escorting because OnlyFans, one of their main rules is no talking about meeting in real life, no talking about, fulfilling fans fantasies in real life so they're very much keeping the barrier up so that 
you can't cross it. It's great that because you had a clear idea of what you wanted and therefore you were able to maintain those boundaries and stay in your road rather than be influenced by what other people and what other agendas like wanted for you. Talking about working with other actors, I'm sure people are asking, like, do you get to choose what actors you're going to work with? And what do you do when you're not turned on by someone or something's not working? I would always ask the studios. I'd be like, please provide me a cute twink or twonk or jock. Sometimes you have to get tested for shoots and sometimes people can't pass pass their um, STI test. So if they have something, they'll have to like switch things around. Like one time I was going to be the baseball coach, but then the guy they got to replace the baseball coach didn't look anything like, or the, the stepdad didn't look anything like the son. So they were like, okay, you're now the stepdad and now we have a new baseball coach. So sometimes it doesn't go according to plan and you just have to go with the flow. I've, I've been pretty lucky. I've learned kind of when I've been doing this, not to talk to models too much beforehand. Mm. Cause like, you don't really want to kill the vibe before you start shooting. I asked one model one time, I was like, so what's, where are you from? And he started telling me all these like sob stories and like trauma bombs. And I was like, like, you know, you're working for family dick. Like, and it just wasn't like an uplifting, like fun story. It was like, this is really dark. Like <laughs> this doesn't make it like seem more fun for him. I always, when I was doing videos too for studios, I was working as a personal trainer. So I had a full-time job. So I always told myself that if I didn't like anything that was asked of me, I could always speak up. I wasn't relying on the paycheck to pay my rent, to pay my bills. It was just kind of extra extra income. Now I'm full-time with OnlyFans and studio films. So now I'm like, okay, fine. I'll go with the flow. What's going on? But um, I've at least had the power. And you asked about like sometimes when they're bad actors a couple questions ago. And I've definitely worked with some people. I was directing for one of the studios for a little while and producing for them. And that was like a nightmare because you would try to have, you have this script and you'd have this vision and then the delivery wouldn't be good. And then you were trying to talk to them while also having sex with them because that was like producer, director, top of the video too. So it's like trying to keep the vibe good while you're being annoyed with the acting. And it just wasn't, it wasn't sexy. It was too many too many moving parts. So now I'm just doing acting in the videos. Um, I would produce and direct if it was just that, but I don't want to produce and direct myself while also trying to be the like the boss on the set and also be the acting coach. And I've learned with directing people, you have to be like, you have to say things. I mean, when you're taking acting, so you have to talk to people in a way that makes them do what they need to do and not to feel bad. I've done some projects, not for studios, but for like other types of shows and stuff like that. And worked with some directors who were like, just kind of mean, and their approach is just negative. And it doesn't make you then feel good to be a part of the shoot. And so it's kind of trying to find that balance of like, how to be like, firm, but nice and constructive, and then not hurt their feelings when they're blowing it. What you just said about earlier, you talked about how you don't talk to models because you don't want to kill the vibe. I think that actually makes sense in real life as well, because I'm thinking about of myself when it comes to casual sex, when I'm cruising or when I'm in a sauna and I want to just have a hookup. I don't care about chatting with the other person and, and having a conversation because it is a fantasy at the end of the day. You're trying to fulfill a fantasy. You're trying to get off. 
So you see someone in that moment, they fulfill a fantasy in your mind. So when you try and have a conversation, anything can come up that's going to ruin the vibe. So I think that makes sense. And I think many people would relate to that because sometimes we you do want that personal interaction if your goal is for something deeper, but sometimes you just want sex and that's okay. Yeah, now, my therapist said that yeah. there was some people like to have sex as an escape. And I think that's where anonymous sex is like more of a thing. And some people like to have sex as a connection. And sometimes if I'm having sex in my real life and I really like somebody and I've been like, I saw them on Grinder and they hit all the boxes and they seem nice and fun. Then it's like they show up and I'm like, let's just talk for a minute and get to know each other. But other times, again, if you said if you're at a bathhouse, then it's like I the last thing I wanted in an Amsterdam if I'm in Amsterdam at the sauna there is to talk to somebody and be like, Oh, what part of the States are you from? And it's like, oh no, you just killed the whole vibe, like I thought you were some European slut and this was going to be some fantasy moment. And now we're talking about back home. And so, yeah, I agree with you. That's exactly how I feel as well. Like I have like a regular fuck buddy right now. And I I care about chatting with him because, yes, it's just sex. But he comes to my house. We have a drink. We have a conversation. There's more than just there's there's attachment, but there is no emotion in the sense of there are no feelings. But there is some kind of attachment. So because you're into the guy, you want to have a chat and that actually makes the sex even more enjoyable versus the sauna. Now, going back to the film, I'm curious, how long of filming does it take to get the final scene? So for some of the studios, they do it very fast and they're efficient and they get the job done. Other studios, it's like a whole whole production. Like when I did Men.com, it was one scene in one day And the first day went on for like nine hours and it was like seemingly endless photos. Like I was like, I even made a joke at one point and I said, are we making like a coffee table book? Like, why are we taking so many photos? Cause I had done family dick and those ones. And they just take like, if they need 10 photos to publish, they take 15 photos and pick the best 10 and then they move on with it. They don't, they don't require sitting down, standing on the floor, kneeling, like where men.com really wanted each position to be a certain amount of minutes. So I remember, or maybe it was just the director, maybe it wasn't a men.com requirement, but and we were in all these kind of like impossible positions, like in the bathroom with the model balanced on like the little bathtub with me, like leaning back and opening up. And then they were like, okay, that was two minutes. We need another two minutes. And then I'm like fucking him and trying to balance and do it all. And then they're like, okay, we need uh, 45 more seconds. And I'm like, damn, we're really doing this like that. And so for me, those situations where it doesn't feel good and it might look good, I would prefer to do it where they're kind of like more willing to capture real sex. Like like I did Cocky Boys and he was okay with kind of going with the flow and moving to capture it because he was like, instead of having more of a fixed angle on shooting things. He was like all over the place, the guy from Cocky Boys. And then sometimes they have you do two or sometimes four scenes in one day for some of the studios. I'm I'm sure you enjoy the going with the flow more, right? Rather than the the surgical kind of... Yeah, I think that they should always use real cum shots in porn, in studio porn. I'm a big believer. And I used to try to get um, the studio I was producing for, I'm like, 
look, we can do two scenes in one day, or we could do one really good scene. And at one point I was talking to cocky boys about producing for them. And they said, you know, if you need to shoot this scene over two days so you can get everything and make it perfect, shoot it over two days. That's fine. And that was much more inspiring for me as a pornographer than just like a porn factory where they're like, okay, just use the fake cum, like do a breeding, pull out, have it drip out. I mean, this is known the studios use fake cum. And sometimes the fake cum looks really noticeable and people know that it's fake i'm not naming any any names of which studios do what yes hold on a second how does it work how how does it work with the fake cam like how do they how do they edit it so basically they have like uh come in like uh and some kind of injecting device like uh like a like a syringe but like a big like oral syringe or something sometimes with like a tube attached and then you put the dick in they squirt it in the butthole or the mouth and then they pull out and then it gushes out because if you're doing like if i'm doing an only fans video and i breed somebody it's not going to necessarily just be there to fall out especially if it's like put in there deep like i mean some models are like legendary and they can just make it appear <laughs> but then i've had other i mean myself included where i'm like let's see the cum and i'm like okay i'm not talented enough to like pull it from wherever and move it <laughs> With yeah. high velocity. Wow. I, I understand why the studios do the fake home. It's a business at the end of the day. And sometimes the people who treat it as a business are making a ton of money and they're doing a great job. And so, I mean, I can't blame them. But that's what I like about fan content is that it's more real life. I remember when I did Playgirl, one of the guys who was the photographer or like assistant to the photographer, he was like on his computer editing these dicks for the DVD boxes to look bigger. And it was just part of the process and he didn't care. And it wasn't, nobody was calling him out and commenting on Twitter because you go to the DVD store, these are things still, and you pick out the DVD and you watch it and you enjoy it. Yeah. So there is some showbiz to it all. Um, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, when when there is money involved and uh, and people involved, like making that money, of course, you want to do everything you can to maximize the profit. So I do get it, but I I also do understand how. And I, personally, I can I can tell, even though I don't know the techniques used before that, there is a vibe that I get as to the kind of porn that I like. And I've never been, for example, attracted to like men.com, for example, or those kind of kind of manufactured porn films. I like the more natural ones, again, with good acting. I'm curious, how do you maintain a hard on? I'm sure there is there are injections, there are Viagra that people take. Is that the standard or how does it work? So yeah, people take Viagra, Cialis, the injectable is called Trimix, or there's a quad mix or there's a bi-mix, depending on if it's two, three or four different drugs mixed together. These injectable drugs, a lot of primary care doctors don't know about. So I asked my doctor and I said, do you know about Trimix? And she was like, what? And like looked it up on the computer. So it's kind of a thing that the gay community and like gay doctors have like been using it's especially I first heard about it when I was doing personal training and one of my clients who's over 60 was like none of the pills are working but this injectable I can go to the nude um, pool party and be hard the whole time so I've heard about it in that case um, and then I go on gay cruises and the first time that I went to one of the orgies 
there was some somebody who was like, I was a little bit fucked up. And he was like, I want you to top me. And I'm like, oh, I overserved myself. I can't right now get it up. And he's like, I have an injectable. Like, it'll make it happen. And with the, with that stuff, I don't recommend taking it from a stranger when you when they don't know how much to give you. They're a little fucked up. You're a little fucked up, which is a lot of how times people tried for the first time, to be honest. So, but I overdid it. And then I left the orgy, went back to my room. And they said, okay, if it doesn't go down in four hours, we have the antidote come back. And then I had to walk across the entire cruise ship in the morning with all the room attendants in the hallways with this fucking huge boner sticking straight up. It was like painful. I get there and the orgy was ending and they were like, no, thank you. Everyone's leaving. It's 10 a.m. Good night. And I was like, no, I need the antidote. And so they gave me the first shot and I started seeing stars like for real, like just like feeling like I'm going to pass out. And then I got like really scared and because they said like, don't pass out on it don't like stay with it and i was like oh my god i'm gonna pass out oh my god i'm because they said if you like fuck it up you could lose your dick if it like doesn't and i don't know if this was just me being fucked up and again contact medical this is not medical advice this is just a story <laughs> a little disclaimer so then i called for my husband and i was like colton and then the orgy's leaving and i'm in the in the bathroom waiting for the guy to come give me another shot of the antidote and um people are like oh he's crying is he okay and then they're like oh but he has a nice dick look at his dick <laughs> so it was like really funny moment where i was at my worst but then i still had this like rock hard boner so and in studio porn some of the guys especially guys i would say like over 30 will do the try mix it makes the day really easy but it kind of gives you like this phantom dick where your dick kind of like gets cold at the end and it doesn't feel the same sensations. Um, you could be fucking somebody and then like basically feel almost nothing. So for me, it takes away from yeah the pleasure of it. And I think it's just more mechanical. The dick, it's like so hard, like doesn't really bend. So like when I've been fucked by Trimix dicks, it kind of is like a little bit more painful than like a dildo that has some movement to it uh, or a dick that has a little movement to it. Sometimes yeah. you, go, you go to a shoot and the person running the shoot will be like, Hey, so you took a Viagra. It doesn't seem to be working. Do you want to see Alice too? And then they're starting to like have you mix the things and or like pull out a trimix and be like, "Do you want a trimix?" And so, but what I was producing, I said, "I can't give anybody drugs that's not for them. If anybody has a problem, I don't want them coming after me as the producer." I'm like, "Call me the old ethical producer here." And whatever like the people on set would give you give you stuff they'd always be like i'm not giving this to you goodbye here it is walk away you know yeah so they're but i mean that's one of the tricks of producing videos is you need everyone to have a boner and if boners aren't coming in for whatever reason sometimes if it's been a long day or whatever i finally figured out what works for me which is now cialis so that's working out well um but now they even have these like telemedicine companies now in the u.s one called hymns and they do a mix of viagra and cialis but when i asked my primary care doctor about it she was like i don't know so i don't recommend mixing them together but i mean people will do all sorts of things one scene i did for one studio they had this like natural viagra from uh -huh. like the gas station or whatever and my face was completely red you can go through my video list and see which one i look like <laughs> and it just <laughs> It worked, but then my face was like so red. And when I looked at the video, I was like, wow, they didn't color correct it. It just looks like yeah. me with a red face. I just like when I'm actually 
somewhat attracted to the person I'm working with because then the dick will hopefully work much better than if I had 0% attraction. Some people have like agents who like book them gigs and they have no idea where they're going, who they're working for. But I've always done every all the bookings myself and asked questions. Like this scene next week, I messaged the model who we're supposed to film with. And I said, oh, I'm excited to work with you. And he goes, oh yeah, I know nothing about the shoot. Where I'm like, who am I working with? Who are they? Is this going to be yeah. fun? That is so interesting to, to, to hear because I, I feel that most people just consuming porn, they don't really know what's happening behind that. And they see things through rose-colored glasses. And I can hear many guys say, oh, I wish I was a porn star. I would have so much sex. They don't realize it's actually an industry and there is so much that goes on. And sometimes it just can get like taxing on the body and uncomfortable. So have there been cases where you felt like you want to, oh my God, I don't feel like doing this today, but I have to because I've signed a contract and I have to do it. And how do you deal with situations like that? So one time I like threw out my back at sneezing. I just was sneezed and I was like, I guess I'm old and my back was like fucked up and like I could barely like like walk and and then I had to go and do missionary boys in New York. And I would like had heat packs on the plane and ibuprofen and the whole thing. And I got on set and the endorphins took over and I was totally able to do everything. And then as soon as I got the check and got in the cab to go home, my back was like, You're fucking ruined, you idiot. <laughs> So, I mean, in that case, it wasn't, it wasn't fun, um, especially the days going into it. But I've always kept enough spacing in between shoots where it hasn't been something that I haven't looked forward to doing. Um, I've always had like, you know, at least a month or some of the guys when they have agents, they'll be doing like 15 days of work in a month. And those ones, I think, tend to burn out faster because, yeah, especially if you don't feel like having sex it's hard to put on a good a good show um with only fans we have to film once a week but i've very much stayed true to if i don't feel like filming and we said we were going to film then i can cancel on you if i wake up and i don't want to do it i don't have a contract with you um and we can talk about more on this on the only fans podcast about the difference with the collaborations because for only fans it should just be fun. You should never feel like you don't want to do it. You're making your own money, your own destiny. So that's the difference with studio films and OnlyFans is studio stuff's booked so far ahead of time. You have to show up or your your models you're working with won't get paid. The production company won't get paid. It's all about delivering completed scenes. My dog wow. died and I was doing um, family dick scenes and I messaged the producers and I said, yeah, my dog died today, meaning like, I want to go home. I don't want to be here. And they were like, um, yeah, we're sorry to hear that. And I was like, damn it. Like, I have to go in. And I went in, did the scene. And then as soon as we'd break, I'd go in the corner and cry. And they come back and do the scene. And I mean, it was, it was sad, but at least I had some, I had a cute model I was working with. And the scenes came out good. You couldn't tell that I was a hot mess. But that was a, an example of, when it was challenging to do the gig but yeah, there's been the plenty show... of days that it's it's been all good too like more good than bad days for sure those are just yeah. two specific experiences i guess the show must go on like with everything in the entertainment industry and it, it's great that you, you you know your boundaries and you don't push yourself and you you schedule it so that you 
feel like going for it and, and enjoying the whole process, which I suppose many people don't. Now, you talked a little bit about, well, I got the check and then I went home and I realized like uh, how my back was hurting. When it comes to money, people's expectation is that porn stars make a lot of money from studios. I have a friend who is a porn star and that wasn't his experience as well. And I'm curious, does it pay as much as people expect it to? And do most actors get paid a flat fee or do they get residuals as well? Yeah, there's no residuals for sure. Not that any studios I'm familiar with, which coming from Los Angeles and I mean, there's no porn union, so there's nobody negotiating the deals. And so some of the big studios and especially for their exclusive models, they'll still pay two or three thousand dollars a scene and they'll give the models like two scenes a month. And I mean, these are the big the big production ones, Falcon, Men, Sean Cody. But these are all owned by mega corporations that have tons of studios. And then there's more like mom and pop operations um, and the smaller studios that are up and coming. And they'll pay anywhere from 200 to 600 a scene. Sometimes you'll do two or four scenes in a day. So usually you're getting at least 800 to 1200 a day for doing the studios. It's not enough money that you could live on. Sometimes you have to fly in for a shoot the day before, fly out the day after, and you don't get paid for travel days. Like my friend's a photographer, and if he gets booked to do a gig somewhere, he gets half of his day fee to travel. And so he was producing with me, and we were talking about how it's not really that great of a deal for the models. You don't get like a per diem for food. It's not, it's not like necessarily glamorous work. It is fun work, but yeah. that's why OnlyFans has been has been cool because yeah, I've known that I don't have to get paid. I can do it for a thousand a day and then make another bit from the, the free marketing. Because the marketing from the studios, they usually have a team of people that are pushing you everywhere. I I used my real name to do it so that there was no guesses of who I was. Which I don't know if that was the smartest plan looking back. Well I wasn't gonna use my real name. And then the first studio scene I did, one of the porn blogs said Oh, this is Greg McKeon from these gay movies and from Playgirl. But they already knew who I was on the internet. So it was hard for me to be like, I'm a new anonymous person. No one's ever seen me. And I think that makes sense because you get to establish a brand and then you get to leverage it. Because the studios don't pay as much as you would like them, you have to like go to OnlyFans. And let, let's transition into OnlyFans, actually, because that's very interesting. So that is all for this episode. We'll transition to OnlyFans in the next episode, so make sure to tune in for that to learn all about what it means to be an OnlyFans creator. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with people you know will also enjoy it. And don't forget to check out Greg's work. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any insights or a story to share, message me on Instagram at George Lizos and tell me all about it. I would love to hear from you.